end of 2 Corinthians 5. And this week we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 6 and 7. And you'll see it's not that hard to do 6 and 7 all at once. Uh, So Paul has been talking and he's trying to teach the Corinthian church some things and to correct them. He's also kind of trying to defend himself because a bunch of people have attacked him. But he's not trying to defend himself like, hey, you need to listen to me. He's kind of teaching them, this is how to discern whether somebody's right or not. This is how to discern a leader that's doing things by the right motives or a leader that's doing things by the wrong motives. So it's more than just, I'm the good guy and these guys are the bad guys. It's, I'm going to be gone someday and you're going to have to know what a leader looks like. He's talking about that. He also wants them to know their their identity and who they are. Remember at the end, he said, at the end of chapter 5, he said, God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. God has made you into that. Just like God took Jesus and put all the sin of the world on Jesus. Jesus was the most perfect person ever. And he became the most evil person ever because he had everyone's sin upon him. And he was killed because of that, because wages of sin is death, right? God told Adam, if you eat this fruit, you'll die. And so Jesus died. But because he was holy and righteous, he was risen from the dead. And God raised him from the dead to show that he was everything that he said he was, was right. And so the righteousness that Jesus has is now on us also. We also have the full righteousness that Jesus has right now. It says in Ephesians, we are seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus right now. This has happened. He already did this. And so if I could see you right now in your fully glorified, the way you are when when God looks at you, I would think you looked like Jesus. You would just, you know, pure, holy, righteous. And do you feel that way? No, because we're still in our flesh. We still have a lot of stuff to work out. But as our behavior is completely separate from how God sees us. The way the um, you're saved by grace through faith, not by your works. And so all your works, all your I mean, any work that you do that's good is credited to God. Any work that's done by you that's bad, that's in the flesh is on you. And Jesus took it away. And so in that context, 2 Corinthians 6, 1 We're working together with him. We're working together with God. And we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Don't don't receive that salvation for no reason and do nothing with it. Right. He says in a favorable time, I listened to you in the day of salvation. I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. God is saving people. He is still doing this right now, today. We put no obstacle in anyone's way 
so that no fault may be found with our ministry. So remember, he was defending himself and he's trying to say, hey, look, this, you know, I didn't ask you for any money. These guys are bringing letters and they're just ripping you guys off. I'm trying to not be the big potentate in charge of everybody and boss you all around. I came as a servant and you cared for me. We don't want to put any obstacle where somebody would be able to be like, well, yeah, but why would I want that? Because they X, Y, Z do this bad thing, bad thing, bad thing. Because God is saving people right now, today. It is happening. We, we, want to, we want to convince people that Jesus is really doing what he said he would do because we know it's true. And we know he's doing what he said he would do. Okay, so you can't talk somebody into this. The Holy Spirit has to do work. This is why we pray. We ask the Holy Spirit to do work to show things to people. There's... Um, some, sometimes I'll listen to a sermon or I'll listen to a teaching and I'll listen to it and it's so good. And I just pray, Lord, make, reveal this to me. Like I can hear it and it's really good. And I can go home, Cindy, and be like, I heard this and this and this, and I can repeat it. And now she can repeat it. Oh, this and this and this. There's a completely different thing that happens when it's driven into your soul, right? And no amount of preaching can drive something into your soul. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes it. Because uh, I remember I used to go to this church, and I'd hear the guy's sermon, and I was like, gosh, these are terrible. And, uh, but I was, I was committed to that church, and I wanted to go there. And every week, he would mention something as a side comment from the Bible. M mention something. I was like, is that real? And I would spend the rest of the sermon and I sat where I wasn't a distraction or anything. And I'd look it up and it was real. And then I'd go look at this and that and then this. And the Holy Spirit would help me and teach me all kinds of stuff. And after church, people would be like, how was church today? I was like, it was amazing. Like this whole thing about Abraham and he and Isaac and this. And they're like, the sermon was about Jesus walking on water. <laughs> I was like. That, that convinced me and it gave me a lot, it gives me a lot of hope for this, that the Holy Spirit is the teacher. The Holy Spirit is the one revealing things to us. And so we put ourselves in the situation where we can hear a whole lot of teaching. We can talk about the Bible the whole time, but we're always asking the Holy Spirit to reveal it. So in hopes to help the Holy Spirit reveal things to us, I'm going to skip around a whole bunch and then we're going to go backwards. Okay, so Paul's been talking about these things. I want to skip all the way down to verse 16. And then we're going to go backwards and read the rest. So he just said, God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we would be the righteousness of God. Then in 616, he says, we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them. I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. So sometimes you've heard and it says elsewhere in scripture, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is not um, this was not a health, a health care thing. So uh, I've heard people say your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you shouldn't smoke cigarettes. And. 
I, I can get that. It's kind of bad stewardship. It's a little bit of a waste of money. It's a waste of a waste of your health to do that. Um, but it's not about righteousness and unrighteousness. You're, you're not going to be. You're not going to become. There, there's no. There's no smoking or no smoking section in heaven. <laughs> Insert hell joke here. Um, stuff like that doesn't make you unrighteous. And there's a lot of times this verse, you're the temple of the living God. So you shouldn't do bad things with your temple. That was in a context of something completely different. It had to do with idols and, and temple worship and men and women and all that. He is talking here. You are the temple of the living God. To say you are the place. I mean, the temple. What was the temple? It was where God met with people. And now you are the temple. You are the place where God meets with people. Whoa. Okay, so we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. I will be their God. They will be my people. We are God's people. And we're also the place where Ricky walking down the street has his chance to meet with God. You know, Steve that I work with, you know, this person, just name them, whoever we run into, their opportunity to go to the temple of God happens when they talk to us. So not only are you the righteousness of God, you're also the temple of God. You are the meeting place. Therefore, go out from their midst, be separate from them, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you. I'll be a father to you. You shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Don't look like the um, the Shake Shack. What's the, the shaved ice place? If you're the temple of the living God, right? I mean, just think about these big, beautiful churches, Notre Dame and, and St. Peter's Basilica and all of that. That's you. You are not the Shake Shack. Or the, the shaved ice, the Hawaiian shaved ice booth that, you know, is just this piece of junk place that holds an ice shredder and sells snow cones. You are holy. You are incredible. And so don't live like you're the Hawaiian shaved ice thing that can't even find its own place. It has to rent the parking lot to the pet store. To, I mean, it's just you are so holy. You are so awesome. Be separate. And it doesn't mean we run away. It means we live that way. Be separate. We, we're not like the world. We do things differently. We have different, different things make us angry if we get angry at all. Different things get us excited if we get excited about things in the world at all. We're just very, very different. Then I'm going to recap. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. We are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. God could easily just show up in the sky and be like, boom, I am the Lord. And everybody would be like, ah. That's not his style. That's like villains in superhero movies, right? His style is to make, we are ambassadors, making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be no sin who knew no sin, 
so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. And so with that, knowing you're not the Hawaiian nice shaved ice shack, you are a, a cathedral, you are a basilica, you are a temple of the living God. You are an ambassador that God is making his plea to the world through you. So now let's skip back up to verse 4. If we are ambassadors, if we are the temple of the living God, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. We can commend ourselves. Why? Because God is really doing great things in us. That God is really doing this stuff. People are really finding out about God because of our work. And here's the list of what Paul's list was. By great endurance in afflictions and hardships and calamities, in beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights and hunger. That doesn't sound like anything that I want to go do, right? Hey, we, uh, we're going to put together a prayer group and we're going to go out and we're going to get beaten and we're going to have endurance and we're going to have some cal- a couple calamities. Um, we'll just, we'll just, we won't signal anybody out for now, but just know calamities are going to happen and there will be some riots. We'll have some sleepless nights and some hunger. Right? That doesn't sound like what we want, right? Well, that part is not a pick and choose for us. The pick and choose is, are we going to believe that Jesus is real? And are we going to follow him or are we going to follow idols? Am I going to live for Jesus or am I going to live for an idol? And if I'm going to live for an idol, I will be conformed into the image of that idol. God has made that promise to us that every person, whatever idol you worship. So if you worship Elon Musk and he is super rich, you might turn into a super rich person that idolizes Elon Musk. You you might make it that. You might become that. If you worship and follow the living God, him who knew no sin was made to be sin so that in him you would be the righteousness of God. You will look like your idol. You will look like the thing you follow. And so we want to follow Jesus. But sometimes following Jesus means... Sleepless nights, hungers, riots, labor. Because we're not living to relieve ourselves from those things. We're living for Jesus. And he says, by purity, knowledge, patience, and kindness, by the Holy Spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God. Those are the tactics and the tools we use as followers of Jesus. How are we going to stop the bad guys? We're going to electrify the floor and we're going to have blowguns and we're going to have lasers. Paul says, by purity? Wow. Purity, the very first tool he's going to use is purity. By knowledge, we're not going to be stupid. We're going to have knowledge. We're going to have patience. We're not going to be irrational and fly off the handle. We're not going to, oh, I'm not going to put up with that. Actually, we are. Because that's what God does. God puts up with. Purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, 
and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. We are prepared for this work. This is not a weak work that we're doing. This is not something that we're all on our own and no one's ever done before. Jesus has gone before us. He has conquered. He has won. Then we go back to the bad things. Through dishonor and honor, through slander and praise, whatever people say about us, whatever they call us, good or bad, we're still going to follow Jesus. Think about that. If everybody starts complimenting us, if everybody starts saying how, oh man, you guys are the best. Oh man, this is the best church. Oh man, whatever you did on Thursday, those things that you said, that was the best ever. We could totally be persuaded by that and be like, yeah, I want to do that more often. (laughs) Get eaten alive, right? No, we're going to follow Jesus. I'm really glad that blessed you. I'm going to keep following Jesus. We're treated as imposters, yet are true. We're like, it's like we're unknown, but everybody knows us. It's like we're dying and we're still alive. This, all kinds of people had questions about us when we went to Asia about you're just going over there to die. Here we are. Moving into our neighborhood that we live in and we don't own a gun. Are you crazy? You're going to die. Now I have to correct that. We have a squirrel gun. Not doesn't work on people, just squirrels. And we have Nerf guns, but those don't even work on my kids. We live as punished, but we are not killed. We are, it's like we're sorrowful, but we're always rejoicing. I like this one a whole lot. The world, something will happen and people will go berserk and they will lose their minds and they will be so excited about this. And I, sometimes we aren't excited. It's like, okay, that, you know, good job. I don't even know. I don't even know what Game of Thrones is. I'm really happy for you that you're so excited that it's the season finale. I have no idea. That might make us look sorrowful. Right? If we're not getting as excited as the whole world gets. I'm excited about Jesus. I'm following Jesus. God bless you in all of your sports stuff. (laughs) It's like we're poor, but we're making many rich. And it's like we're having nothing, yet we're possessing everything. This might happen to you a lot. This might happen to you every time you do your taxes. And you might be like, you have that little moment. I, I, I don't have this anymore. But there was a time where I had this moment where I'd get the thing of how much money I donated in a year. And I knew how much trouble we were doing paying our bills. And I was like, gosh, if I would not have given so much away we would have a better car. Living as poor, but making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. And then you start to follow the Holy Spirit and he starts to change you and form you. And you're like, oh my gosh, I do not need any more junk in my house. It would make me so much happier to send this money to so-and-so or buy this for so-and-so. And then all of a sudden you just naturally get that whole, uh, it's better to give than to receive. You're like, man, it really is. I really am happier that I gave this money to this, these people to do that thing than buy myself another stupid thing that I don't need. 
So do you see why I read that backwards? Just to really build up, gosh, when you love Jesus so much and, you, and, and he becomes your all in all and he becomes your whole hope and your whole life. And then somebody says, yeah, but uh, there's going to be a riot and your house is going to be torn up. You're like, you know what? I really like my house, but I love Jesus more. And I would rather go live somewhere where I can tell more people about Jesus, even if it means my house gets torn up. We used to get ripped off a lot when we lived in Asia. We got ripped off a lot because we just didn't know the culture. We didn't know the things. I've told this story a hundred times before. Uh, I went to the store and I got some furniture and I loaded it into a taxi. And I didn't know taxis. I had no clue how taxis worked. Cindy was the expert on the taxis. I was the expert on the city bus. And uh, so I you know, put some furniture in this taxi and I would drive it back home and I unload the taxi and I pay the guy and I give him a tip. And we're all done. And she's like, oh, you rode a taxi today. And I was like, yeah. She's like, how much did it cost? And I said, no, I forget how what the numbers were, but it was like, it was 20 bucks. She's like, you paid 20 bucks to get a taxi from this spot to this spot? I was like, yeah. She's like, that costs like $3. He got 20 bucks off of you? I was like, yeah. I had no idea. Just totally got ripped off. And it made me mad. And then I'm like, okay, that guy's average wage in a year is $200. So for me to lose 17 bucks, where my, I mean, I come from a place where the average wage is $48,000 a year. And his is 200. 17 bucks is nothing, right? I would so much, I would rather give him 17 bucks and not be angry and not be bitter. And so then all of a sudden we wrote that into our budget. We were like, we got a rip off budget. And when people rip us off because we mess up on language or we just didn't know, you know what? They're starving to death. It is okay to overpay them. And then we would just be like, hey, hooray, we got to give them an extra $600, whatever. It was. The amount varied depending on how big of a ripoff and mistake it was. It transforms you. And all of a sudden, when Jesus is your all in all, you just don't care about this other stuff. You don't care if there's riots. You don't care if you're getting robbed. You don't care. We're possessing everything. Uh, The other part of this I love. As having nothing yet possessing everything. So that... That person that day ripped me off 17 bucks, the cab driver. Do you know what I care about that right now? I mean, we're like 14, 15 years later. I'm so glad I didn't sin over that 17 bucks. I'm so glad I didn't go out and punch that dude in the face over 17 bucks. And now whenever I tell that story, I think I wouldn't even recognize that guy. But I, I pray for him. And I pray that he would come to know Jesus. I pray that that extra 17 bucks went to something that the Lord would use. Gosh. Which all of a sudden that makes me think, you know, as I'm going about my way this week, something happens. You know, some wrong gets done to me. I lose 10 bucks over this or that. Is it worth sinning? Is it worth losing my whole witness as a Christian over that? No way. Rejoice in it. So let's go to 13. 
So widen your hearts. Open your hearts to Jesus to follow him. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? This Sometimes it's used to be uh, talk about marriage and that people shouldn't marry non-Christians. This is in a much bigger context. Remember in 1 Corinthians, that dude was sinning in the church and he was doing wicked things. And Paul said, put him out and turn him over to Satan so he'll turn back. Don't be grouped with these people that are so evil and so bad. If they call themselves Christians and they're doing all this wicked stuff, it's okay to say, I am not a Christian like you. You are doing evil. I'm going to, we're going to have some separation here. What accord has Christ with Belial? It's a demon. Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? Remember, you're the temple of God. You don't want an idol sitting in the temple of God. We are the temple of the living God. And then that other part that I read earlier. I don't want, I don't want to have any idol on me. I don't want to be, I don't want to have uh, dual citizenship anywhere. I just want to follow Jesus. Now, all of a sudden you get into legalism and be like, okay, well, nobody that's a Christian could possibly eat at McDonald's. And that gets into all the Romans 14 and 15 that different Christians are going to do things differently according to the grace of God given to them. So it's not about us judging each other for the things that you do. If it's blatant, outright sin, that's a different thing. And that's in James. But if it's just our own little legalism that we're judging each other, we need to get over that. And Romans 14 and 15, that thing out of here. Okay, boy, I'm getting distracted. (laughs) Second Corinthians chapter seven, he's continuing. It's the same thing. It's the same talk. Since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Let's live for Jesus. Make room in your hearts for us. You make the room. So the difference here, the way, the way you get into uh, just a bunch of institutional, industrial religion that God hates is if somebody starts assigning things that you have to do. He says, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit. I had a buddy and he totally drank his way through college and he doesn't remember most of it. And it was just a whole bunch of drinking. He gets out of college. He seeks after the Lord. He wants to leave all of that behind. We go to Schnucks and I'm going to smoke some turkeys in a smoker. And I read that strawberry wine poured in the pan will just make the outside of the turkey just this delicious, sweet strawberry goodness. He will not set foot in the alcohol aisle at Schnucks. So for him, that was that was the path of idolatry that he used to walk down. Right? For me, it is an ingredient in a recipe that is going to have no alcoholic effect on us at all. It's just a way to move strawberries into my belly, 
which is holy. That process. So we cleanse ourselves. If I would have told, if somebody told him, don't you dare step foot in that alcohol aisle at Schnucks. What's going to happen? His flesh is immediately going to spring into rebellion. He's going to be like, I'll show you I can walk down that aisle at Schnucks. Don't you dare. Do, do, do. Our flesh, our rebellion, our rebellious natures that are in us, our habits that we've generated are always trying to push that stuff. But if you let the Holy Spirit work in me, man, the Holy Spirit's going to speak to me so much better than you can. And the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you so much better than I can. So let's cleanse ourselves. Let's not try to cleanse everybody else. You might be really good at cleansing everybody else of all their bad habits. But I tell you what, I bet the Holy Spirit's better. Let's let the Holy Spirit do it. All right, so I'm going to skip. There's some housekeeping stuff that he talks about in his letters. Skip down to verse 9. I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. He's talking about his last letter that made everybody so upset and that grieved them. I'm not glad that you grieved. I'm glad that you repented, that your grief led to repentance. You felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss. For godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret. But worldly grief produces death. This is so this is such a a brilliant great truth to to grab onto. Godly grief. Okay. I steal a hubcap. I bring it home. Cindy says, "Oh my gosh, Dan, I can't believe you stole another hubcap." Now I have grief. What grief do I have? Well, the next time I steal a hubcap, I need to just sneak it into the basement so she doesn't see it. The grief isn't godly grief. The grief is worldly grief that she caught me with the hubcap. And what repentance happens? Zero. I don't feel bad for stealing the hubcap. I feel bad that I got caught. And so next time I'm just going to figure out a way to do it where I don't get caught. Gosh, worldly grief is the worst. It says worldly grief produces death. Because then what happens? Then my hub, hubcap stealing habit actually improves and I get better at it. Because now I know I've learned who to hide it from and how to. And so I actually do it more. Gosh, isn't this awful? Godly grief. Godly grief. Oh, man, I should not have stolen that hubcap. Because that's not what the Lord wants to use me to do. I love the Lord. I love the Lord Jesus. I would face riots. I would face hunger. If I would face riots and hunger because I love Jesus so much, I can do without that hubcap and I leave it on the person's car and I don't take it. Why? Did you know it doesn't have anything to do with serving my wife, which would be idolatry. It has to do with serving God. 
Oh man, Caleb's going to be mad at me if he catches me with a hubcap that I stole. Who am I serving? I'm serving Caleb. I'm serving my reputation. The Lord has not ordained me to steal hubcaps. God took him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him I would be the righteousness of God. And does the righteousness of God steal hubcaps? Heck no. So I'm not going to do that. Do you see what a difference that is? Grief that is holy. This is how you can find this. You can pick this up. Grief that's holy is directed towards your actions. I stole a hubcap. Gosh, that was wrong of me. Grief that is not godly. And we're just going to say it. The devil's grief, the devil's grief that he puts on you is against your character. It's against your identity and who you are. So I am a hubcap thief. I am wretched. I am a, I am a thief and a stealer. That's against me and my character. It's the difference between I did something wrong or I am a wrong person. Godly grief says I did something wrong. Even though I'm the holy righteousness of God, I have the freedom to do things wrong and I did this wrong thing and now I want to repent from it. Versus I am an evildoer. I am condemned. I'm just going to rub dirt on my head. I am hopeless. I am I am just a sinner. That's not godly grief. Because that's not going to lead me to repentance. That's just going to make me go lay in my bed. I lied. Right? I lied and I feel bad that I lied. That is against that activity. I am a liar. That's my identity. My name tag, liar. That's... That is not godly grief. That is worldly grief dished out by the devil. My identity is, I am pure and holy righteousness of God. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit that has the ability to lie. That has the ability to mess up. It's, it's I messed up versus I am messed up. Huge difference. Verse 10 again, just like write it on your mirror so you see it every morning when you're brushing your teeth. Godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Think about that part. How many people have regrets? You might have regrets today about something. If you have a regret about something that you did wrong, run it through this filter. If it's godly grief then you can repent from it and it will lead to you to salvation and you will no longer regret it. I no longer have regret for this bad thing I did. But if it's worldly grief, it loves regret. Every time you have a hope to succeed at something, that worldly grief comes back and it's like, oh, I hope you don't blow this like you did every single other time you did it, which was once. Every time you fail at this, that one time, <laughs> right? Worldly grief that is the voice of the devil. So just being able to wield that, being able to separate. If this is godly grief, I can repent from it. I can change and I can move on without regret. 
And if it's worldly grief, it's the devil talking, and I have nothing to do with him, so shut the hell up and let me move on and follow Jesus. Right? Go back. Go back where you belong. I'm following Jesus. So he says, I wrote to you, I did not want to upset you all. I wanted you to all be earnest for Jesus. So that God, this is verse 12, it would be revealed to you in the sight of God. God is always at work in godly grief. And so when we have grief, we can seek out the Lord. What are you doing in this, Lord? Is this from you? Is this your activity or is it not? Therefore, this is awesome. Verse 13, he goes all the way back to chapter one, verse one. Therefore, we are comforted. We, this is how we get comforted. Remember he said the comfort that we get, we pass on to you. The comfort that we get is all of this that we've been talking about for the last three chapters. Realizing that you are holy, you are righteous, you are a temple of the living God. You are the righteousness of God. You have nothing to do with idols. You have nothing to do with demons. Therefore, we are comforted. And besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at Titus because he was refreshed by you. And then it gets back into this personal housekeeping. Whatever boasts we made, everything we said is true. You know, he says all this at the end. And then the very end, I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you. That is such a big statement. Because remember how messed up these people were and how off they were? And now after all of this of convincing them, you are the holy righteousness of God. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am so confident in you to believe this stuff. He doesn't come across as, y'all are a bunch of stupid idiots and I hope you get what I'm writing to you. No. He says, I have complete confidence in you. And I have confidence that this sermon is over. <laughs> There's a lot of good in here, you guys. We can spend more time on it, but I want to... Um, we, will, we will go right on to, to chapter 8 next week. And all this stuff, the other thing that's great, go back and look in Acts and look at his interactions with the church of Corinth. Look at when he goes back and he does these other trips, how many times he stopped in Corinth, he stopped in Corinth, he stopped in Corinth. He loved them so much and they were so messed up and they were so off. And he, he just continued to love them and show them kindness and to care for them. It's really, it's really awesome. So, all right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the victory that we get to walk in, that we can have your Holy Spirit in us to discern for us what we are doing and what we need to do next and what you want to do with us. I praise you, Lord, that you're never finished with any of us and that we continue to grow. That even even my people I know in their late 80s are still talking about how the Lord is growing in them and helping them and just how much you care for us and how much you love us to help us to continually do it. And I pray that you do it in us this week, Lord. Help us along and drive these things down into our souls. We love you. Amen. All right.